Howdy, brothers and sisters. Welcome back to the MatchNet podcast. We are privileged to have these two fine folks with us. The oldest couple, Sungmi and Chris. How are you guys doing today? Doing all right. Good, thank you. Yeah. Fantastic. I just want to give a massive shout out, first of all, to all of our European listeners. I know you guys are out there. I know you are out there, right? Every time I go to Champion or to workshops, or I was in Europe for quite a, quite, quite a few uh, different countries and workshops this year, and uh, I know you guys listen. So please, uh, please let us let us know how we're doing. And I hope you know that we appreciate all of our listen, li- listeners over there in Europe. But today, I would really want to highlight these fine uh, individuals and highlight their matching process and how they found each other and the process through which they had to go through uh, internally to find each other and to feel uh, blessed themselves. So I'm going to give you the floor, Sangmi, to share away how you guys met and, and what you guys, where you came from. All right. Uh, so how we met was pretty straightforward in like a technical sense. Um, a couple of friends recommended Chris to me over about a year period on and off. And for various reasons, which I'll get into later, I wasn't open to it at first. And then um, coming off the back of a very disappointing matching process where I went all the way to Europe to meet the guy, didn't work out. Um, I was kind of fed up is I think a good way of putting it. And just ready. I'm like, God, this is my time. (laughs) Like I'm going to meet the guy. And then a friend brought up his name again. And she's like, why don't you just reach out? And so I reached out through his pastor, um, who is a Donia Hentrick uh, pastor, co-pastor of the Denver church. And it was pretty straightforward. It was, she gave me a little lowdown on what he was looking for. I was like, I'm this age, I'm looking for this. You think he's interested. It was very direct, um, which I think was good. And he sent back like a very lovely message that gave me some hope, like, okay, maybe this could, this could be good. Um, so yeah, she connected us within a few days. He was dying of COVID (laughs) at the time. So it was all text at first. Um, but then yeah, it progressed pretty quickly. Yeah. You want to add anything to that? Yeah, no, that's right. It means he was sick. What does that mean? He had mild pneumonia, which I didn't know at the time. Probably the worst I've ever been sick in in life. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, maybe definitely up there. Um, yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, it was sort of Adonia texted me and and said, "Hey, because Adonia, she's the pastor in Denver. She she uh, she knows I'm, I was looking. She knew I was looking, um, and uh, so she texted me, and it was just, hey, you know, someone reached out about you. They're looking for faith, family, and community. Um, do you want me to connect you?" Um, and, and uh, that was about it. You know, I responded, I don't mind connecting myself. And so, so I did. Um, but I mean, the one thing I'd add really to this, just for the listeners out there is, we're starting off with how we met. And, um, you know, I, I, it, it sounds really easy, like, oh, she just reached out, and then we were connected. But there was a lot of uh, hard work that uh you know went into um just kind of years of of uh of essentially a journey to getting there right talking to other people other processes um a lot of internal debate um yeah yeah like even reaching out as the woman reaching out to the guy i've heard that so many times with sisters like but what if he says no and I'm you know all of these things or shouldn't the guy re- even my dad had this own concept and, and we laugh about it now <laughs> since I'm the one who reached out to him he would have never known I existed we weren't in the same social circles at all I would I don't I mean now we kind of realized all the connections but you know he's seven years older than me so mm-hmm. his friends like I have friends who are their younger siblings you know <laughs> things like that so um yeah, it was piggybacking, yeah, off of many years of overcoming concepts. And that was one small one that I didn't mind too much. I'd reached out to guys before. You mean um, that he was older than you? Well, that, but also that the girl reaches out. I mean, it's kind of mm-hmm. dumb when you think about it. It's like, why does it matter in the end? Um, right. Like how you got started, it's how it ends, <laughs> you know, how you land together. Um so yeah. that, but yeah, him being older, um, he also has kids. He has three kids from a previous marriage. Yeah. Um, 
those were that was initially the reason why I said no to the idea of him. I had knew nothing about him. It was just like, nope, don't want to deal with that sounds complicated. That that's all. Like to me personally, I I I thought that was complicated. And then going on a journey <laughs> of meeting, you know, guys who still wanted the blessing, who had children, um, through actually the 24 plus connect retreats, uh, virtual retreat, there were two dads and they were so straightforward. They were like, this is what I'm looking for. You know, (laughs) that's it. You know, they were uncomplicated and very clear, but I still wasn't quite ready. (laughs) I think for that, for that leap. Um, but yeah, we can, we can get more into that. Yeah. I'd add about the girl reaching out. Um, you know, I have nothing against a girl reaching out. I know some girls like the guy to reach out, but to be honest, you know, in our situation, I didn't know who she was. If she hadn't reached out, we never would have gotten together. And so I understand it. Um, but yeah, I honestly, I think girls should just reach out when they need to. He was very responsive in return though. So I will, I will say that like, that was a huge um, draw yeah. that he was made the time, you know, he's, he was a busy guy, three kids, they were visiting even at the time and he still managed to find time to respond, you know, and I talked to many, I'd been in many matching conversations of varying, you know, degrees of seriousness where it was like three months and the guy couldn't even manage to message one time in the week. (laughs) So anyway, yeah. Motivation. Yeah. You, you both alluded to challenges overcoming to get here where you are now can we go more into those on, on both of your ends yeah do you want to yeah. i can start, start this out? one off yeah um well i mean there are a lot of challenges um really i mean there's so many things you got to figure out and overcome before I, I i would say you can get to a place where you're ready just to accept another person um i mean there's a lot that could be said about that but most people in this world aren't perfect you know and um you need to find someone that you can get along with um let's start let's start with this one then so you know maybe some of the listeners out there are going to be coming out of a previous marriage um and um that was certainly me uh and um uh coming out of divorce it was massively traumatic um um, my my wife essentially left chose a different life um you know just left the picture and then that left me kind of trying to figure out what that meant for me and a big part of that was deciding uh when to let go i suppose you could say, um, uh, and I, I put this as a challenge, um, because it, I know people in the church that never, uh, um, kind of gave up on their spouse that left them. Um, you know, they, they, um, just wait forever or, or they decide not to get remarried. Um, and um but then i also know other people that kind of moved on right away and but i think in our church there is this kind of you know there there is this idea that the blessing is forever right and getting reblessed means you're essentially i don't know how else to put it that but but then to say like you're abandoning that right if you if you want to get reblessed and that's that's really tough you're abandoning that notion um and so i found myself waiting and waiting um and eventually it became you know uh waiting but then there's also this little bit of little element of well i'm pretty comfortable now you know i I got comfortable in my single life you know um and there's probably people out there that can identify with that i mean it is pretty comfortable being single or at least you get in a routine and uh, you get comfortable Um, and it became a combination of that Um, and so I think a lot of the initial challenge for me was 
deciding when I was ready um, to move on myself, when I had, like, what was, how long was waiting for my, for my ex to change her, to have a change of heart or a change of mind? How, how, how much waiting was long enough waiting, right? That I wouldn't in the future be like, oh man, if only I waited another year or if only I waited another five years or, you know, um, and, uh, anyway, what did it take to move on from that? I think eventually I just had to be real. Um, and, um, you know, she, I, I had made kind of, uh, just fairly consistent attempts to sort of reconcile, um, or to extend an olive branch, I suppose you could say. And every time, you know, like I, I just found that I, she, she was just angry at uh, any effort I made. Um, and it just kind of cemented her conviction to, uh, for the divorce. I mean, we were already divorced at that point, but it just cemented her conviction. Like, you know, not, like just move on, like, like stop, stop harassing me, not harassing, but stop, uh, stop reaching out, you know, stop trying to make it work. Yeah, I think that it was a hard decision to make, just letting go. And actually, um, kind of, I think the way I was able to reconcile it for myself was that, um, you know, after long and hard, uh, think about it, um, you know, and, and sort of asking myself, well, why is this difficult? Why is this painful? Right. Um, I realized that when you decide to move on, you're closing a lot of doors. Right. So you're, and you're not only closing doors. I mean, you are sort of closing doors for yourself. You're closing doors in that previous blessing, but you're also closing the door of say, for example, your kids having a future potential of, of their parents coming back together, you know, and, uh, you know, and, in some sense, I've heard that kids never fully let go of that ideal or of that dream that their parents will one day come back together. And you're closing that door when you move on. Um, and you're you're closing the door for uh, like family to uh, you know extended family to um, to have your family become an intact family unit again. You know, as part of that extended family, clan, whatever you're going to call it, right? Like, it's always nicer when your relatives are together and not in fighting terms, right? And so, and uh, so thought long and hard about that. And ultimately, I ended up reaching out to my kids um, and essentially asking for, um, the way I put it was, I asked for their blessing to move on. Um, and I didn't ask my youngest because he was too young. I got to my second and I realized, yeah, actually, this is a tough, tough thing to ask of kids. But, uh, but ultimately, my, my daughter, Lily, and my son, Noah, they, they were, I wonder if they remember that discussion, actually, it was a while ago. But they, they were pretty happy to, um, to give me that blessing to move on. I think they understood it was necessary. I think they were happy that we had that talk. I also reached out to my parents-in-law. Um, that felt important to me because I think it's really painful for parents when their kids, when things like this happen to their kids. So I reached out to them too. Um, I asked for their blessing to move on. And, and just to be clear, it's, it's not necessarily that I was asking for their permission, right? I was just giving them the opportunity to reconcile that future for themselves too, right? Um, and have us move forward together. All right, there we go. That was a significant uh, challenge I had to overcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Can I interject a question here? Uh, yeah kind of 
to to some me, but in relation to your your experience, uh, I think that there's a very important mental process that you had to go through, right, Sangmi, when mm -hmm. this when he brought this this uh, challenge up, right? And I think it's really relevant. And if if people are wise when they're listening to to this story, they can extrapolate this into their lives, even though the details are specific to your story. But it's very much something that everyone has to go through to some extent is accepting someone, right? So I'm kind of curious uh, as to what your process was to accept that reality, right? Um, yeah, so I'd never been confronted, I guess, with the idea of second gen who'd been divorced, had kids. Um, I mean, it's not that I didn't know people, but for me personally, right, as like talking to candidates, talking to a candidate in that situation, I wouldn't say that they're on the websites. <laughs> I, I I don't think for the most part they go that route. Um, I think it's more word of mouth, you know, recommendations like that, um, you know, because it's not just you, you know, you have a family of extended, like he was saying, all these people kind of involved already. Um yeah, so when I first reached out to him, actually, he was already talking to somebody else. And before I reached out, I did talk. So at that time, I was, you know, my parents and I were talking every weekend, um, once a week to connect uh, specifically about the matching, like I put all other topics off, you know, off the table for that talk with them and to stay focused. And I asked them, hey, you know, there's this guy that's been recommended to me. He's he's got three children. I'm scared of that. Um, but what do you think? Do you think that we, and I, I made it very clear, this was a we decision, you know, because I, I knew I would need family support um, if this did move forward or if this became something more. And my mom's answer without even skipping a beat was his kids are our kids. That was her response. Mm -hmm. And my dad echoed that you know, he's like, no doubt, like we would accept them and it it wouldn't be an issue. They'd be our family. And that blew me away. Like that gave me so much confidence. And I remember like just bursting into tears, like, <laughs> like, are you sure I can handle this though? Like you guys seem really confident. Um, and they're like, no, nah, you, you love children. You want kids, you know, like that's a blessing. You know, <laughs> you already have three kids in your life. It's, uh, yeah, it'll we'll we'll figure it out together, you know. Yeah. And then that's not insignificant. I mean, it is challenging to take on <laughs> someone else's kid. I've had a couple of summers of intense, intense time together, um, intense uh, blended family building. And yeah, it's it's more complex than you than you can know until you're in it. But that's with any situation, with any, I think relationship you don't know 100% what you're taking on you someone once said to me you accept the concept of a person and then you have to actually learn to love the person right in a relationship so yeah you have this concept and i mean chris to his credit he he was like no nah, no issue they'll love you you know it's just like he he had no uh what is it he's yeah he he was very confident about it and so that yeah. helped me have confidence like are you sure? Like I'm, I'm overthinking this, right. You know? Um, so that was one, like just accepting the idea, right. Of being a stepmother, what that means. I hate that word, by the way, I, I really dislike the step, you know, and there's anyway, that's a whole other podcast for, um, you're not really a parent to them, an adult in their life. Your primary, something I've learned is like your primary focus, support your husband, you know, support the parent um, in their relationship with their kids. Um, so that's been a whole learning, learning curve. Um, but yeah, another one was, um, also, yeah, all the worry about the ex family in law, you know, or as some people like to call it the step family in law, you know? um, cause you're still, your kids will always like his kids will always be connected to that other family. Um, and those relatives. And that was an important point to Chris is that he still maintains those relationships with uncles and aunts and with his, his parents-in-law. Um, so that was a little daunting too, like wondering how they would receive me as um, a new 
I guess, dynamic in the family, but they were all incredibly welcoming and, you know, had been nothing but gracious and kind. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. I know that's not the case for every blended family, um, but I was very fortunate in that that piece that that took a lot of weight off my mind. Um, yeah, your mother-in-law even called me before we got blessed to each other and made it very clear that she was happy for him and, you know, um, welcomed me with open arms, um, that kind of thing, and just wanted me to take good care of him. So yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that I had that very generous support also of the kids extended family and your extended family. Yeah. yeah. Let's say those were two, two of the things. Yeah. I mean, Chris just made it easy. I mean, just him as a person, you know, <laughs> like, I was so like focused on the situation and then the actual person in front of me was, I was blown away, you know? So it, it was a unique and all the processes I'd been in all the matching conversations, there were some that had uniquely prepared me to meet him, like his unique situation. And, um, not saying, you know, it, it's always hard to say no to a pro, you know, no to someone when you're in a process or to say, oh, you were a stepping stone to me to meet my husband. You know, that that's tough. I was, a, I'm sure I was that for some other people. Um, or I, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe I was, maybe I wasn't an important part of that. Um, but I am grateful for being, having my eyes open to many different situations and learning empathy, I think. Um, and kind of dampening down the judgment for whatever was thrown my way. So I think by the time we did connect uh, about a year after I first reached out, um, I think we were both in a place where we were ready and humbled to receive each other. Um, yeah. Like removing a lot of concepts. Like I didn't really care that much that he was much older than me, but as we were getting to know each other, people brought it up like it should be a big deal, <laughs> but it wasn't, you know? Um, like, oh, you got that younger girl. Anyway, anyway, there were only yeah. a couple of people, but it was like a little bit demeaning. I, I was a little worried about it. Yeah. I mean, people, I mean, people tend to look, uh, frown on guys that marry younger. And so I... I couldn't find someone your age, huh? Or something. I yeah. Don't know. Like, yeah. It it didn't matter to me. And, you know, I, I, I was in process where people, both younger and older, and the same age as me, um but i think i was still worried about the optics i think yeah maybe it mattered more to me than to her or maybe i i mean i i think i had made some like i for a time you know i'd i'd only look at profiles that were exactly this age range and then just not meeting anybody so that was i had to break that concept completely uh there was a point where i was looking at the international matching website with no filters <laughs> which was a huge step for me, you know, um, anybody who's been through that, you know, I had a whole matching plan with like only 28 to 33 of this nationality, whatever, you know, I did, I went through all the steps of, um, not being open. <laughs> yeah. Are you happy now? Let me. Yes, very much. I wasn't looking for a very handsome, tall, Caucasian European guy, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't on the list of qualities. It was, yeah, faith, family, and community. Mm. And he, we met at the right place, right time. Yeah. Just to be clear, I think I was 39. She was 32. Yeah. She reached out. Yeah. Seven year difference. Yeah. Thank you, Sami, for your response to that. I think this is a fantastic story. Uh, so on your end, Sami, what are... <clears throat> What has, what has been your growth process to be where you are today? Um, yeah, so I was in a relationship. So I was matched when I was 18 and um, in that relationship for nine years. Um, blessed in 2009. I think that relationship ended in 2016 or 2017. Um, blurry on the dates these days. It's been a while. Um, but yeah, that I experienced that relationship is highly traumatic. Um, I didn't realize it at first. So uh, denial is a funny thing, because <laughs> the symptoms still pop up, but you don't know why they're coming up for you like anxiety and um, yeah, 
low self-esteem, all these things. Um, and my process was rerouting myself and family and my faith community. I'd been distant for, for quite a while. Uh, anyway, yeah, my ex chose also was like drifting into a different way of life. And eventually I chose to end that relationship, which I completely relate with Chris's point of giving up on the idea that the blessing is forever, that it's eternal. That was really hard for me. A very hard point that I took a long time to reconcile with in myself. Um, so I had a lot of anxiety <laughs> through, through looking again. And I was like, I'm ready. I'm going to jump right back in. I went to a 24 plus in person. I think our relationship ended in the spring, summer, and then I went in the fall. <laughs> I mean, not a good idea, guys. I don't recommend that um, for anybody. Um, but it was, it was, I mean, it got me reconnected. I mean, I think I was, I was looking for what did I really believe my, you know, my faith, my life had been shaken. I had to give up on the future. I thought I would have the children. I thought I would have, um, that was incredibly painful when I really had to sit with it. I would just burst into tears and just, I couldn't understand why my ex hadn't chosen me in that life right in the end, but he didn't want it. That was a really hard reality that I had to sit with and, and come to a place where like, I have no control over that. And I have no control over what he's doing in his life now. And, and asking for forget and like trying to forgive, right? You can't, you know, we have the, this thing in our church, we say, forgive and forget. I don't think you ever forget. You just get further and further away from it with time but it's still there. Um, but yeah, forgiveness was, was a really big key that took me a long time. I even prayed in the prayer hall in Champyang two years in a row. I, I was sent there for work and let me just say being single and brokenhearted and being sent to a blessing <laughs> in Korea was very confronting. Um, yeah, that again, don't recommend that if you're not in a good place. <laughs> Um, where, yeah, with getting re-blessed and being confronted by aunties, like, why aren't you blessed? You know, why aren't you with someone? Where's your husband? And you're like, I really don't want to talk to a random stranger about my heartache. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, my, yeah. But even overcoming that, like, you know, those aunties who care and uncles who care, you know, about your future, those, they're a resource, you know, eventually I came to that point where I was like, oh, you know, anybody, you know, like kind of turning it on its face. Like, let's not talk about the sad past. Let me, I'm, I'm focused on my future. Um, but yeah, I also had a coach I worked with. Um, I talked to her every week at first for, I think about a year and then slowly, you know, it was like every couple of weeks, that kind of thing once a month but she helped me have an out like objective perspective and reminded me what my goal was. Mm -hmm. Your goal, you told me your goal was to get, to be happy, you know, like find joy, reduce your anxiety and like get re-blessed. So whenever I wanted to give up, I had those reminders and my parents too were incredibly supportive. I remember my dad, <laughs> he, he would say like, you're meant to be ecstatically happy. That's what God wants for you. God wants you to be ecstatically happy. We want you, and I believe 100% it will happen. You know, if you keep moving forward and if you keep being focused on the right things, right? And in, in a partner. Um, so having people in my life who were affirming, no, you're in, going in the right direction when it seemed like I had no more options or I wasn't finding anybody or and usually those points meant I needed to shift something <laughs> in myself. It was like a reminder to look at myself, right? What more can I be doing? What more can introspection can I do? Who can I reach out to? You know, how can I broaden my network? Um, but yeah, it was a lot. It was what, six years? Yeah, six years of healing and reconnecting with what mattered to me. And ultimately I did choose this community and this faith. And I had, I rooted that in what I understood and feel about God and that God wants me to have a family. You know, I came to a point where, um, I think this was said on a, on a different podcast by a different sister, 
but she said, you know, I would come to some points where I thought, well, God just wants me to be a single missionary. <laughs> he doesn't want me. Maybe that's not my course, you know? Um, and then having no, you know, I think it's, you know, digging deep and overcoming the despair that comes with that. And then, um, still fighting for it now. Yeah. What, what has, how has your faith in the blessing developed? Sangmi? <laughs> Um, relationships are confronting and I would say that my faith, um, I'm still working on it. You know, again, like day-to-day practices and stuff change, right? The way you root yourself is a little bit different maybe. And, in, in a you focus so much on the, the couple dynamic. Um, that's something I'm still coming back to is how do I uniquely connect to God, you know, and in myself. Um, I would say it's deepened in the sense that especially being around kids, it it confronts your the parts of yourself maybe that aren't as patient or loving or kind as you thought they were <laughs> with uh yeah um when you're not being confronted with an immediate reaction, you know, kids have a way of, I think, at least for me, showing me where I need to need to work on my nature and asking, I ask the question a lot more now, God, what's your perspective? I think that question comes up a lot for me now, because I know if it was just me <laughs> and just from my own perspective or the way I am right now, it's not always the most um, gracious or maybe the the bigger picture response to a situation. Um, as it could be. Did that answer the question you asked? How is your faith in the blessing? Were you asking whether she still believes in the blessing or whether? Oh, or has, how it's developed in the it's, blessing? I think you understand where I'm going. Like, it's not common for people to receive a blessing and then end like that and then want to receive the blessing again. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a process you went through. And all the things that you want in your life, right? A God-centered marriage, all those things can be happened without the blessing. Right. Outside of our faith community. So I, I guess I'm, I'm, I have a curiosity as to what- What was it? Is that that really spoke to you about the faith and finding someone within the faith and receiving the blessing also for you as well, Chris? Well, I did try dating outside of our movement. Um, I'll say that with the caveat that I still wanted it to be a very intentional process and communication. Um, I tried Christian dating uh, apps and um, even went out on a date with a guy and (laughs) turned out I was too metaphysical, broad-minded for him. And I found that to be the case with all of the Christian men that I ended up talking to, just chatting with. I was like too much for them (laughs) ideologically. Um, and yes, because faith and belief in God is such an important point to me and my family. Um, it's what roots us together as a family. Um, yeah, so I wasn't opposed to the idea. My my parents, even my, my dad especially, really encouraged me to date outside our, our movement because I was getting older and I wanted a family. And he's like, well, there's just a certain reality there that you got to you got to acknowledge. You know, if you want kids, you got to get moving. Um, so that's a harsh reality. I think for some people, um, like age is a factor at some point. Um, but choosing the blessing for me, um, I think it was more about how we would relate to each other about our faith in God. And it's important for me to be able to talk about it, to be able to talk about my beliefs and, not that that's not possible, right? With, I, I have friends outside the church, very good friends. Um, I just felt personally that my faith would deepen within the realm of the blessing rather than conventional marriage. Mm-hmm. And what we would pass on to our kids, right? That we would both be committed to passing on God's lineage and our understanding of God and faith and family to our children. Yeah, 
I think from my side, um, you know, I, I, I'd add real quick because we both said that we had to get to this place of deciding when to let go of blessing is forever. And it's not that I don't believe the blessing is forever. I, I do. I think that's the right ideal, right? That's, that's the right goalpost to set. Um, but ideologically in our church, we can't have it both ways, right? You can't have, um, you know, a spouse who leaves condemn the other person to a, a life forever and have, you know, the idea of the three great blessings, right? That we're meant to go a life that fundamentally includes marriage and having children, um, right? Um, and and that's, that's really tough because um, I, I think some of the realities of, of divorce in this country that maybe people aren't aware of is that divorce in the U.S. is unilateral. And what that means is that um, one person can want the divorce and the other person can not want it, and it will happen. It only takes one person to want it. Um, so um, uh, that that's tough. Another point I'd make there about, about my own journey related to that blessing is forever is that I, I, I got to a place where I felt like I was, by holding on to being single, I felt like I was throwing away my potential, right? Resigning to a life less fulfilled, right? I was like, okay, I'm just going to be single forever, you know, whatever. Um, but I, I think ultimately that that's not a whole life. It's not a, it's not a full life. And when you resign to that, you're kind of throwing away the potential that God gave you, right? And ideologically, we have this idea that, um, for example, suicide is, is, is sinful, right? And, and the basic thinking there is that you're throwing away the precious life that God gave you, right? And so if you're resigned to living alone, right, because your spouse has left you, um, you know, then are, are you throwing away your life, you know, in that situation? That, that's tough. That's tough. Um, and um, and I, I think that's, that's relevant to, to not just the blessing, but to the idea of marriage. And I, I like that we have this idea of the blessing um, being forever, not just in this world, but also the next. Um, it takes some pressure off. <laughs> I mean, just to lighten it a little bit, but it's like, well, I mean, we grow, we have this ideology, right? That we grow the most when you're on earth, but then I like to think that you keep growing, um, in your relationship. If it's for eternity, I mean, that's, that's a long time to yeah. be with someone and work out a few minor kinks yeah. here and there. Yeah. Yeah. As far as faith in the blessing goes, like I, I definitely do believe in the ideal of the blessing. I mean, I've, I've chose, I've chosen it um, three times now. It's the third time I've gotten blessed, and um, and um, and I I love the community I grew grew up in. I think some people, a lot of my peers my age, are kind of look back on their childhood in the church, growing up in the church, and have left, and I'm sort of angry. And I don't understand that at all because we grew up in a safe environment. Our peers were awesome peers. Um, you know, I, 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 I'd imagine the vast majority of us never experienced like parents with um, addiction or sexual abuse. Like it was a nice environment to grow up in. I think some people experienced some level of, of shame within the community um, because we set our ideals crazy high in the church um and i think that was tough for people that couldn't live up to those ideals which i think is most of us um but i that doesn't discount what we had um and so i i um i think the appeal of wanting to get blessed to someone within this community speaks for itself you know there's there's a lot of really great people in this community and in fact that is one of the things I was confronted with, um, you know, when I had to decide, do I want the blessing again? Is, you know, if you, 
just the idea of getting you know um finding someone out outside the church like how do you know who you're going to get married or blessed to you know if you find someone outside the church like it, it's a mixed bag like it's not to say that everyone in the church is better or great or perfect in any kind of way but at least we have the same ideals right you know we we have the same kind of expectations of openness um and uh and uh there's not you don't necessarily have that if you're looking for someone that outside of the church you, you may get married to someone that is never open with you um and that can happen in church too but at least we have that basic premise right we're open with each other so what are you guys looking forward to thanks by the way thanks for sharing both of you it's fantastic yeah. What are you looking forward to having a family together yeah me too i'm looking forward to that yeah i think that's yeah. our our biggest hope and goal and it's our next life goal next life goal yeah it's yeah. having kids together yeah yeah. Everything else is details now. <laughs> and I'm I'm looking forward to being able to grow old with someone again. You know, I lost that. Um I thought I was gonna grow up alone until I decided to move on. And that's that's a big deal, you know, when you commit to growing up alone or growing old alone. I don't think anyone wants that. No. So that's something to look forward to, growing old with someone. Mm -hmm. Well, before you guys grow too old and <laughs> die into your eternal life, do you have any advice or final words for listeners? Mm, stay open. You know, you never know where God's leading you. And it might be in the exact place where you were too afraid to look, you know, and that little corner over there of prospects that um, you weren't considering. Yeah. So, Trust your intuition, but also have have a team of people, have people you trust to be honest with you, you know, about you, not about the other person you're you're considering. Yeah. I'd second that. Be open-minded. Um I'd maybe phrase it, I'd maybe go further and say be radically open-minded. I think be more open-minded than the secular world expects of people looking for someone, you know. If uh, someone reaches out, say yes, you know, don't, don't be like, well, you know, I'm not sure about how this person looks or, you know, height or, you know, too Asian or not Asian enough or, you know, it's like, seriously, just say yes. Those are things that I have had discussions with people about, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a big deal, you know, it's like, um. You never know who someone is until you've spoken to them. So this whole idea of like saying no to someone just based on uh even based on a profile, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we know we volunteer with the 24 plus connect retreats and it's a huge eye opener from the other side. Also, it was very confronting now being on staff. I'm like, "Oh my god, I was that person who laser focused on one person during a retreat and then was disappointed, you know." Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, one big thing we emphasize is openness, you know, but and and that takes a lot of courage and vulnerability and that's why you need a support team. You need people to like bolster you. No, you're great. You know, you got this. Like, why is it confronting? Talk to me, you know, <laughs> like um, and having those per people who aren't scared of hard conversations, you know, I think that's ultimately one of the big reasons why we chose each other is he was vulnerable with me. I would say a lot more upfront. I'll admit that um, I was very guarded and that gave me confidence to be vulnerable back. Right. And talk about some really hard realities of like, Anyway, I won't go into all the questions we asked each other, but there were some really tough questions that made me like, mm, put my guard up and like, is he really, the, oh, this is hard. Is this supposed to be this, you know, this kind of hard question. But then when you overcome that with each other, like that's, that's what a relationship is, you know, you're, yeah. you have to be real. Yeah. Yeah. Find someone you can trust. Yeah. I was laughing. Uh, 
because I was having a conversation with a sister. You'd appreciate this, Sami. And uh, she was having a hard time finding someone. And mm -hmm. I asked her, like, what is your primary, like, what is your, what's the filter you're putting on that's yeah. making it hard? And she said, she's looking for someone that's taller, right? Mm. And I was like, okay, apparently this is a real thing for women. It, it was for me. I will okay, admit that, that was a thing that's that I had to overcome and talk to a shorter guy. It was a very uncomfortable conversation for him. That's that's why I'm bringing this up. Okay, so I asked her how tall, all right? And she said something like five four or five five or something. Right? And I was like, "Honey, do you realize that most men in our church are <laughs> Japanese and Southeast Asian?" <laughs> it's true. She was, like, she was like, "Oh shoot, <laughs> you're right." <laughs> Like you're like halving your population, yeah. right? I realized that too. <laughs> and something I had to overcome, you know, and um, I considered short and I realized what I, what I was actually asking for was a strong embrace. Like I had this vision of being like safe and held and, and it actually didn't have to do with height. It had to do with confidence, you know? So I talked to shorter guys who were like, super confident in themselves and it was very attractive um yeah so give hope out there that's, I, that's why i want to preface he's six four yeah. and much taller than me but i wasn't looking for that you know it wasn't a prerequisite <laughs> yeah i i've noticed that short guys have they have to make up with tall confidence mm -hmm. <laughs> i've noticed that you know it's like yeah yeah Anyways. Yeah. Uh, anything else you guys want to end with? <laughs> You're meant to be ecstatically happy. I'm going to repeat my dad's words. Like I, I do believe that it's cliche, you know, when we're all despairing in the process, when there's no one out there for me. And then you find that person, you're like, you're meant to have this mm. happiness. You know, I know it's cliche to say, but you are meant to be ecstatically happy. That's God's hope for you. It might not look the way you think though. You know, I, I say like God's vision for my life was so far beyond my piddly little expectation of, of my marriage and my life. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't come with hard work. It does. You do have to put in the effort to reach that vision, right? That God, God sees for you and tries to lead you toward. But I mean, like when we were getting to know each other, I felt like the universe was jumping with joy. And I don't say that lightly. I'm not a super spiritual person who like, but it was, I mean, just fun, like dolphins jumping out of the water. I mean, no joke that actually happened to us. <laughs> and then I'd never seen a dolphin in that bay. <laughs> so I think God was jumping with joy, you know, and wanted to encourage us because he knew it would be hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's always the expectation. Yeah. So I mean, if you, if at the lowest point in your, in your blessing journey, if God came to you and said, Sangmi or Chris, I promise you, you will be happier and more fulfilled than you could ever imagine, but it will not be easy and will not be a straight line. It'll be up and down and it'll be winding road. How comforted would you feel by those words? I would have said, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, at the lowest point. Yeah, it's like, right. oh, God, come on, you know. <laughs> but how would, but how would your. It would have been tough to receive that yeah. at the lowest point, um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why does it have to be hard? <laughs> you know, that would have been my question. Yeah, that would have been your response. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, if you could go, back, let's say, let's say if you could go back in time and talk to yourself mm -hmm. at that yeah. point, what would you want to say? I would have said, I mean, when I was ready, find, find the time when you're ready, right? Some people are going to be ready. Some people are not. And when you're ready, just put in the hard work, you know, just start making the steps, moving in the right direction. It takes time and it takes consistent effort. Yeah. Keep up the momentum. You know, you're doing, you're doing every, like, keep, just keep going, right? Keep the vision. Don't lose and don't lose your integrity doing it. You know, keep, keep that high goal, that high vision, you know, of what you're looking for and, and what you value. Yeah. Just keep up the momentum and surround yourself with positive, happy people. I mean, that's maybe 
like when you're feeling really low and down, like it's really helpful to have people who love you, respect you, you know, who, who see your potential, right. Remind you of that in your, in your lowest point. But yeah, I would just say, keep, keep up the momentum. You will get there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'd also add, because it's a tough place to be in. Right. And I mean, I'd, I'd say when you get that lead, because in our church, you're going to get a lead, right? There's always going to be some anti or uncle figure is like, hey, I know this guy, you know, maybe you should talk to that person. When you get that lead, jump on it. And then you've started, you've started your journey. It's as simple as that. So tying into that, so actually the first person who suggested Chris to me was a good friend who was in a process with him. And she said no. So when she suggested a guy, she said no to, and I think she's wonderful and all, all these great things. And I was like, oh, well, why would I want him? You know, like that was my immediate, right? Like, I don't want your, like, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't know what the word is. <laughs> your, your, re- reject. your reject, you know, which was a really immature thought and like reaction um, looking back. <laughs> but, um, you know, she said all these nice qualities about him. And I was like, yeah, but you didn't pick him and you're wonderful. So, you know. Um, but it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't the right, it wasn't the right fit. So also don't dismiss those recommendations. Um, I also made that recommendation to a friend. She ended up re- you know, rejecting the guy. They didn't get together, but, um, like she didn't even give him a chance because yeah, it was like, well, I don't want your rejects, you know, <laughs> so that's a concept to overcome. Yeah. Well, you guys heard it here. There is an hour's worth of fantastic jam-packed wisdom. And I want to emphasize to everyone, please consider sharing this episode with your team, the people that you love, the people on your side of the court, and especially with people that are going through some low times in their lives, people that are questioning their beliefs in a blessing or questioning the beliefs in themselves, or that God is even with them at all. And I think we all experience that at some points in our lives. And if anything, uh, this this uh, episode will be extremely helpful to to people who who need to take action, right, and who need to to have courage to move forward with their lives and and take action towards what they really genuinely want in their lives and never give up hope. So, thanks everyone for listening. Please consider joining the MatchNet podcast. Uh, sorry, the MatchNet program. Please consider joining the MatchNet program at matchnet.us if you want a step-by-step process to getting started and taking action through the matching process. Thank you, Sammy and Chris, for your time and your wisdom. Please give them all some loving messages. Um, Reach out to them if you have questions, and uh, we'll see you guys next episode. Thanks, Benji. Thanks, Benji. Love you guys.